Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, Rumpelstiltskin and other grim tales. Wilhelm Grimm and his older brother Jacob studied German folklore and oral traditions, publishing a collection of stories eventually known as Grimm's Fairy Tales, which includes narratives like Rumpelstiltskin and Little Red Riding Hood. Several of the brothers' tales have been adapted into successful TV shows and movies. Although they're very famous for sharing the classic tales bearing their name, they actually didn't write them. They just collected them and published them. The stories existed long before the two men were born in Germany in the mid-1780s. The fairy tales were part of a rich oral tradition, passed down from generation to generation, often by women seeking to pass the time during household chores. But as industrialization took root, local traditions changed, and scholars, like Jacob and Wilhelm, began a quest to save the stories from extinction. They interviewed relatives and friends, collecting whatever tales they could, sometimes embellishing them, although they insisted they did not. In 1812, Jacob and Wilhelm published the stories as part of a collection titled Nursery and Household Tales, or what is now referred to as Grimm's Fairy Tales. We have a collection of those stories for you here today, starting with Rumpelstiltskin. There was once a miller who was poor, but he had one beautiful daughter. It happened one day that he came to speak with the king, and to give himself consequence, he told him that he had a daughter who could spin gold out of straw. The king said to the miller, "'That is an art that pleases me well. If thy daughter is as clever as you say, bring her to my castle to-morrow, that I may put her to the proof.' When the girl was brought to him, he led her into a room that was quite full of straw, and gave her a wheel and spindle, and said, "'Now set to work, and if by the early morning thou hast not spun the straw to gold, thou shalt die.' And he shut the door himself, and left her there alone. And so the poor miller's daughter was left there sitting, and could not think what to do for her life. She had no notion how to set work to spin gold from straw, and her distress grew so great that she began to weep. Then all at once the door opened, and in came a little man who said, "'Good evening, miller's daughter. Why are you crying?' "'Oh,' answered the girl, "'I have got to spin gold out of straw, and I don't understand the business.' Then the little man said, "'What will you give me if I spin it for you?' "'My necklace,' said the girl." The little man took the necklace, seated himself before the wheel, and whirr, 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 three times round, and the bobbin was full. Then he took up another, and whirr, 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 three times round, and that was full. And so he went on till the morning, when all the straw had been spun, and all the bobbins were full of gold. At sunrise came the king, and when he saw the gold he was astonished and very much rejoiced, for he was very avaricious. He had the miller's daughter taken into another room filled with straw, much bigger than the last, and told her that as she valued her life, she must spin it all in one night. The girl did not know what to do, so she began to cry, and then the door opened, and the little man appeared again, and said, What wilt thou give me if I spin all this straw into gold? The ring from my finger, answered the girl. So the little man took the ring, and began again to send the wheel rearing round, and by the next morning all the straw was spun into glistening gold. The king was rejoiced beyond measure at the sight, but as he could never have enough of the gold, he had the miller's daughter taken into a still larger room full of straw, and said, This too must be spun in one night, and if you accomplish it, you shall be my wife. For he thought, Although she is but a miller's daughter, I am not likely to find anyone richer in the whole world. 
"'As soon as the girl was left alone, "'the little man appeared for the third time and said, "'What will you give me if I spend the straw for you this time?' "'I have nothing left to give,' answered the girl. "'Then you must promise me the first child you have "'after you are queen,' said the little man. "'But who knows whither that will happen?' thought the girl. "'But as she did not know what else to do in her necessity, "'she promised the little man what he desired, "'upon which she began to spin until all the straw was gold.' And when in the morning the king came and found all done according to his wish, he caused the wedding to be held at once, and the miller's pretty daughter became a queen. In a year's time she brought a fine child into the world, and thought no more of the little man. But one day he came suddenly into her room and said, Now give me what you promised me. The queen was terrified greatly, and offered the little man all the riches of the kingdom if he would only leave the child. But the little man said, No. "'I would rather have something living than all the treasures of the world.' "'Then the queen began to lament and to weep, "'so that the little man had pity upon her. "'I will give you three days,' said he, "'and if at the end of that time you cannot tell my name, "'you must give up the child to me.' "'Then the queen spent the whole night in thinking over "'all the names that she had ever heard, "'and sent a messenger through the land "'to ask far and wide for all the names that could be found. "'And when the little man came next day, she beginning with Caspar, Melchior, Balthazar. She repeated all she knew, and went through the whole list. But after each, the little man said, That is not my name. The second day the queen sent to inquire of all the neighbors what the servants were called, and told the little man all the most unusual and singular names, saying, Perhaps you are called Roast Ribs, or Sheepshanks, or Spindleshanks. But he answered nothing but, That is not my name. The third day the messenger came back again and said, I have not been able to find one single new name, but as I passed through the woods I came to a high hill, and near it was a little house, and before the house burned a fire, and round the fire danced a comical little man, and he hopped on one leg and cried, Today do I bake, tomorrow I brew. The day after that the queen's child comes in, and oh, I'm glad that nobody knew that the name I'm called is Rumpelstiltskin. You cannot think how pleased the queen was to hear that name, and soon afterwards, when the little man walked in and said, Now, Mrs. Queen, what is my name? She said at first, Are you called Jack? No, answered he. Are you called Harry? She asked again. No, answered he. And then she said, Then perhaps your name is Rumpelstiltskin. The devil told you that, cried the little man and in his anger he stamped with his right foot so hard that it went into the ground above his knee. Then he seized his left foot with both his hands in such a fury that he split in two. And that was the end of Rumpelstiltskin. We'll return with more Brothers Grim Tales right after this sponsor message. And now back to our story. Our second story is called The Dog and the Sparrow. There was once a sheep-dog whose master behaved ill to him and did not give him enough to eat, and when for hunger he could bear it no longer, he left his service very sadly. In the street he was met by a sparrow who said, "'Dog, my brother, why are you so sad?' And the dog answered, "'I am hungry and have nothing to eat.' Then said the sparrow, "'Dear brother, come with me into the town. I will give you plenty.' And they went together into the town, and soon they came to a butcher's stall, and the sparrow said to the dog, "'Stay here while I reach you down a piece of meat.' And he perched on the stall, looking round to see that no one noticed him, and pecked 
pulled and dragged so long at a piece that lay near the edge of the board that at last it slid to the ground. The dog picked it up, ran with it into a corner, and ate it up. Then said the sparrow, Now come with me to another stall, and I will get you another piece, so that your hunger may be satisfied. When the dog had devoured a second piece, the sparrow asked, Dog, my brother, are you satisfied now? Yes, as to meat I am, answered he, but I've had no bread. Then said the sparrow, That also shall you have. Come with me. And he led him to a baker's stall and pecked at a few little rolls until they fell to the ground. And as the dog still wanted more, they went to another stall farther on and got more bread. When that was done, the sparrow said, Dog, my brother, are you satisfied yet? Yes, answered he. And now we will walk a little outside the town. And they went together along the high road. It was warm weather. "'and when they had gone a little way, the dog said, "'I am tired, and would like to go to sleep.' "'Well, do so,' said the sparrow. "'In the meanwhile, I will sit near on a bough.' "'The dog laid himself in the road and fell fast asleep, "'and as he lay there a wagoner came up with a wagon "'and three horses laden with two casks of wine. "'The sparrow, seeing that he was not going to turn aside "'but kept in the beaten track, just where the dog lay, "'cried out, "'Wagoner, take care, or you shall suffer for it. But the wagoner, muttering, "'What harm can you do to me?' cracked his whip and drove his wagon over the dog, and he was crushed to death by the wheels. Then the sparrow cried, "'Thou hast killed the dog, my brother, and it shall cost thee horses and cart.' "'What harm can you do me, I should like to know?' said the wagoner, and he drove on. The sparrow crept under the covering of the wagon and pecked at the bunghole of one of the casks until the cork came out and all the wine ran out without the wagoner noticing. After a while, looking round, he saw that something dripped from the wagon, and on examining the casks he found that one of them was empty, and he cried out, "'I am a ruined man!' "'Not ruined enough yet,' said the sparrow, and flying to one of the horses he perched on his head and pecked at his eyes. When the wagoner saw that, he took out his axe to hit the sparrow, who at that moment flew aloft, and the wagoner missed him, "'striking the horse on the head, so that he fell down dead. "'Oh, I'm a ruined man!' cried he. "'Not ruined enough yet,' said the sparrow. "'And as the wagoner drove on with the two horses that were left, "'the sparrow crept again under the wagon covering "'and pecked the cork out of the second cask, "'so that all the wine leaked out. "'When the wagoner became aware of it, he cried out again. "'Oh, I'm a ruined man!' "'But the sparrow answered, "'Not ruined enough yet!' "'and perched on the second horse's head "'and began pecking at his eyes. "'Back ran the wagoner and raised his axe to strike, "'but when the sparrow flew aloft, "'the stroke fell upon the horse, so that he was killed. "'I'm a ruined man,' said the wagoner. "'Not ruined enough yet,' said the sparrow, "'and perching on the third horse began pecking at his eyes. "'The wagoner struck out in his anger at the sparrow "'without taking aim, and missing him, "'he laid his third horse dead.' "'Oh, I'm a ruined man!' he cried. "'Not ruined enough yet,' answered the sparrow, flying off. "'I will see to that at home.' So the wagoner had to leave his wagon standing, and went home full of rage. "'Oh,' he said to his wife, "'what ill luck I've had! The wine is spilt, and the horses are all three dead.' "'Oh, husband,' answered she, "'such a terrible bird has come to this house!' "'He has brought with him all the birds of the air, "'and there they are in the midst of our wheat, devouring it.' "'And he looked, and there were thousands upon thousands of birds "'sitting on the ground, 
"'having eaten up all the wheat "'and the sparrow in the midst, "'and the wagoner cried, "'Oh, I'm a ruined man!' "'Not ruined enough yet,' answered the sparrow. "'Wagoner, it shall cost thee thy life.' "'And he flew away. "'Now the wagoner, having lost everything he possessed, "'went indoors and sat down angry and miserable behind the stove. "'The sparrow was perched outside on the window-sill and cried, "'Wagoner, it shall cost thee thy life.' "'Then the wagoner seized his axe and threw it at the sparrow, "'but it broke the window-sash in two and did not touch the sparrow, "'who now hopped inside.' "'perched on the stove and cried, "'Wagoner, it shall cost thee thy life.' "'And he, mad and blind with rage, "'beat in the stove, "'and as the sparrow flew from one spot to another, "'hacked everything to pieces, "'furniture, looking-glasses, "'benches, table, "'and the very walls of his house. "'Yet he never touched the sparrow. "'At last he caught and held him in his hand. "'Now,' said his wife, "'shall I not kill him?' "'No,' cried he, "'That were too easy a death. "'I will swallow him.' "'And as the bird was fluttering in the man's mouth, "'it stretched out his head, saying, "'Wagoner, this shall cost thee thy life.' "'Then the wagoner reached the axe to his wife, saying, "'Wife, strike me this bird dead.' "'The wife struck, but Mr. Aim, "'and the blow fell on the wagoner's head, "'and he dropped down dead, "'and the sparrow flew over the hills and away.' "'The moral here?' Small problems can become big problems when they're ignored. Our third story is called The Queen Bee. Two kings' sons once started to seek adventures and fell into a wild, reckless way of living and gave up all thoughts of going home again. Their third and youngest brother, who was called Whitling and had remained behind, started off to seek them, and when at last he found them, they jeered at his simplicity in thinking that he could make his way in the world while they who were so much cleverer were unsuccessful. But they all three went on together until they came to an ant hill, which the two eldest brothers wished to stir up, so that they might see the little ants hurry about in their fright and carrying off their eggs. But Whitling said, Leave the little creatures alone. I will not suffer them to be disturbed. And they went on farther until they came to a lake, where a number of ducks were swimming about. The two eldest brothers wanted to catch a couple and cook them, "'but Whitling would not allow it, and said, "'Leave those creatures alone. "'I will not suffer them to be killed.' "'And then they came to a bee's nest in a tree, "'and there was so much honey in it "'that it overflowed and ran down the trunk. "'The two eldest brothers then wanted to make a fire beneath the tree "'that the bees might be stifled by the smoke, "'and then they could get at the honey. "'But Whitling prevented them, saying, "'Leave the little creatures alone. "'I will not suffer them to be stifled.' At last the three brothers came to a castle where there were in the stables many horses standing, all of stone, and the brothers went through all the rooms until they came to a door at the end secured with three locks, and in the middle of the door a small opening through which they could look into the room. And they saw a gray-haired man sitting at a table. They called out to him once, twice, and he did not hear. But at the third time he got up, undid the locks, and came out. Without speaking a word, he led them to a table loaded with all sorts of good things. And when they had eaten and drunk, he showed to each his bedchamber. The next morning the little gray man came to the eldest brother, and beckoning him, brought him to a table of stone, on which were written three things directing but what means the castle could be delivered from its enchantment. The first thing was, that in the wood under the moss lay the pearls belonging to the princess, a thousand in number and they were to be sought for and collected, 
"'and if he who should undertake the task "'had not finished it by sunset, "'if but one pearl were missing, "'he must be turned to stone.' "'So the eldest brother went out "'and searched all day, "'but at the end of it he had only found one hundred. "'Just as it was said, "'on the table of stone came to pass, "'and he was turned into stone. "'The second brother undertook the adventure next day, "'but it fared with him no better than with the first. "'He found two hundred pearls.' "'and was turned into stone. "'And so at last it was Whitling's turn, "'and he began to search in the moss, "'but it was a very tedious business to find the pearls, "'and he grew so out of heart "'that he sat down on a stone and began to weep. "'As he was sitting thus, "'up came the ant-king with five thousand ants, "'whose lives had been saved through Whitling's pity, "'and it was not very long before the little insects "'had collected all the pearls and put them in a heap.' Now the second thing ordered by the table of stone was to get the key of the princess's sleeping chamber out of the lake, and when Whitling came to the lake, the ducks whose lives he had saved came swimming, and dived below, and brought up the key from the bottom. The third thing that had to be done was the most difficult, and that was to choose out the youngest and loveliest of the three princesses, as they lay sleeping. All bore a perfect resemblance each to the other, and only differed in this, that before they went to sleep, each one had eaten a different sweet meat, the eldest a piece of sugar, the second a little syrup, and the third a spoonful of honey. Now the queen bee of those bees that Whitling had protected from the fire came at this moment, and trying the lips of all three, settled on those of the one that had eaten honey, and so it was that the king's son knew which to choose. Then the spell was broken, and every one awoke from stony sleep, and took their right form again. And Whitling married the youngest and loveliest princess, "'and became king after her father's death. "'But his two brothers had to put up with the two other sisters. "'The moral of this story is a big one. "'Provide help and comfort to the small and the weak, "'because you never know when or how they may be able to help you. "'Thanks for joining us, everyone, "'for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. "'We do appreciate reviews very much, "'especially you Apple listeners, "'so if you have a chance, "'please do stop and give us a review "'for 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales.' Those reviews help us get new listeners, and we appreciate that very much. We do have some new reviews we'd like to share with you. The first one, five stars. I love, love 1001 Classic Short Stories. John has a great selection of classic stories. I've listened to many fantastic stories. Keep up the great work. Sean, New York. That one from Irish Gal, 833 Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, five stars, catching up on the classics. Truly a wonderful way to listen to these classic stories. That from J.J. Noel, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, five stars, very enjoyable. These classic stories are a great listen at the end of the day. So relaxing. Down from Steve Kent, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, best story podcast out there, five stars. John's reading and voice are perfect. This is the only podcast I listen to at recorded speed, because I'm not just trying to get through the content. The stories are great. They're just what I like to read and help me cover works I would never have time to get around to. Down from ALK444, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, great podcast, five stars. All the stories that we should have read, expertly and wonderfully read. Down from Mark Sniat, Apple Podcast, U.S. And this one, good choice, five stars. Wonderfully entertaining podcast of classic adventures and short stories. This is a great alternative to Audible and well worth giving it a go. Down from Ascension Deficit, Apple Podcast, Great Britain. And this one, Stand Out, John. 
"'in a world in which so-called journalists "'say it's okay to line stories "'to defeat those that you don't agree with. "'In a world of revisionist history "'stands John Hagedorn. "'He provides us with the classics "'and with a clear factual presentation of history. "'His knowledge and passion of World War II "'are unmatched. "'All of his podcasts are excellent. "'Keep up the good work, John. "'Down from No Trace, Apple Podcast, U.S. "'And this one most enjoyable. Five stars. I've been enjoying some of my favorite stories long forgotten. Thank you. Down from Celix22, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you all so very, very much for taking the time to write these reviews. We appreciate it, and it helps new listeners find us. Thank you. We'll be back next Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with a brand new story. Until then, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.